Hello everyone and welcome back to the Shuttle Pod. This is our eighth episode covering Discovery's second season. We are covering episode eight today, if memory serves. I'm Brian Drew and I'm here with Matt Wright. Hey guys. And back for another engagement with us, back by popular demand by the way, <laughs> is Lori Elster. Welcome back, Lori. Hello, thank you. Happy to have you back. I'm happy oh, to yeah. be back. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Okay, so, as I said, the episode we are covering today is Discovery's eighth episode of season two. If memory serves, it was written by Dan Dworkin and Jay Beattie, and was directed by T.J. Scott. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I am going to read the official CBS synopsis of this episode. Spock and Burnham head to Talos IV where the process of healing Spock forces the siblings to confront their troubled past. Stamets desperately tries to reconnect with an increasingly disconnected Hugh, while Tyler struggles to shed the crew's suspicions of him due to his past as Voak. All right. All right, here we go. All right, folks. So, episode eight, which had a certain amount of special stuff going on in it. What did we think? (laughs) Special stuff. Over, so I try to look at it, because there are all these mysteries and information that we're waiting for, I also always try to look at it as, later when I know the answer to all of these things, is it still going to be a fun episode to watch? Mm-hmm. And I think for this, 100% yes. Yes. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, very good. So I always, I always have my issues. There are always little things that, I mean in every show always something but i think overall it was really enjoyable it moved well lots of good stuff in it and i felt also felt like they finally found that really good place that is a tribute to trek without being fan service i mean without you know annoying fan service like they really yes it filled my heart there were moments that i was like yay thank you and i really enjoyed them yep you're taking all the words right out of my mouth Lori. that's exactly how i feel (laughs) that's exactly how i feel about it all right, right, then get off. cool, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're done, folks. Thanks yeah, for listening. Yeah, we're Bye. done. We're out. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but how did you feel, Brian? I thought it was okay. Um, I did feel it was a bit fan servicey, But it was, was not uh, obnoxiously fan servicey. Yeah, I think that's the key right there. Yeah. I would have liked I would have liked them to, ex- if, if you were going to go to Talos, I, I would have liked to have explored the Telosians a bit more and, you know. Sure. Learn a bit more about Vina and stuff like that. Because it was kind of a hit and run deal to some degree. Yeah, but, I agree. But, but, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was fine. It didn't feel, it didn't feel like they were there just for the sake of being there. Yes. Thank right. goodness. Which is that what I was worried about. And I think we were all worried. I think we were all, yeah, worried yeah. about that when we heard that back at New York Comic Con. We're like, oh my God, what are they going to do with this? Thankfully, it's quite good. Mm-hmm. And you guys, did you guys both rewatch The Cage before you watched the episode? Oh, heck yeah, I did. Yeah. I watched The Menagerie a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I rewatched The Cage yesterday before I did my rewatch with my lovely wife because she's just a casual Star Trek fan that I've slowly introduced stuff to. And I was like, Do you remember that we've watched this thing with Pike before? And she went, No, not really. I said, Okay, good. I really want to rewatch The Cage <laughs> anyway. We're rewatching The Cage. And then it dawned on her. She's like, oh, yeah, I remember this now. But it was good. So we, we did a little twofer last night. Before. Yeah. 
But before we go on, I just want to say also, I think this is a really great podcast for the three of us because we are some of the biggest TOS fans on Trek. This is true. Yes. Part of Trek movie. So I think I, we I feel are like the three it's biggest. A, we might be, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so yeah. too. So, like I since we were all little really kids, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Since little kids. So I think this is a really appropriate uh, episode for us to comment on specifically, you know? Yeah, that's a good point, Matt. Yeah. So should we talk about the little section they had from the cage, the little montage we should. weird the previously on star trek did yes <laughs> fun fun with after effects because that's what yeah that was. that's what it looked yeah. like yeah i'm a little little unhappy about that part of it yeah i, I didn't I love that say. i mean I, i'm glad they did the the previously i'm glad they did that the yes previously they should have done trek that thing. for sure yeah to prove that it's like conti- a con- you know, continuation, yeah it, it, but, but the uh the, the amount of effecting they did to the video was a bit distracting yeah. i thought yeah my notes when i was watching it was like Who's having fun with PowerPoint transitions? You know what I mean? It's like yeah, that no, kind of yeah. It like, was an Adobe like, After Effects it. spectacle. It totally exactly. Was. Like, I fe- stop it! Like <laughs> I felt like it was intended to be sort of like a tribute, and it's spelling out that it was old. <laughs> you know, like well, it, yeah, just in like, case no audiences shit, got old. confused. But I didn't. <laughs> yeah. It didn't. I didn't really like it, and I wish they'd just been more straightforward no. with it. And then when they did yeah. that, that nice transition to answer from great. Jeffrey Hunter, I still suddenly was like, well, that can't be his memory because he wouldn't remember that he was Jeffrey Hunter. So no. but it was a, <laughs> it was a, a little weird. Transition. It was a bit of a weird moment, even though I was glad that they used the clips at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was a hard thing to figure out. We uh, wrote up a, uh, the one of the editors that works on Discovery had a nice Twitter thread about how that came to be and that they had kicked around different ideas and one of them was, I think, one that a lot of us had wondered if they would do, which is we kind of wondered if they might quickly like restage moments from the cage with the current cast and the current, you know, Telosians yeah. and the current whatever, and kind of use it. And they actually apparently did for like two seconds consider that and went like, no, that's not a good idea. a very idea. bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been, it was, it would have been like costly and awkward and just not appropriate. So they didn't do it, which was, that, yeah, that was, that was good. That was the right call. <laughs> and I do think they were trying to do something fun and playful. I just, it didn't work for me, but it, I think there was a good intention in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It just almost made it seem like, hey, remember this other thing? This is cartoony. Yeah, it made it cheesy. The real stuff. Yeah. Like, but here's the real stuff now that we cut from Hunter to Mount. Like, that's not the right idea. And I don't think they meant to do that either, like you were saying. Yeah. It's great that they did that as far as that they did a previously on bit. That's what we Yeah, wanted. no, it was important. Yeah. yeah to, I, I, I guess it was important that they, they orient everybody. I, I think it was because this made a lot of people really happy to see a, a real explicit connection, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I was just thinking from a narrative standpoint, not that part of it. The, oh, um, I see. Yeah. Because like, I... I, I it's cool that it was there, but at the same time, everybody who's watching this show is like a, a, a you know, is a hardcore fan. So I don't know how much orientation you really need. Well, n- now you say that, but I wrote up a whole seven things to know about the cage article beforehand, and there were a number of people who were like, "Thanks for the reminder. I've seen this exact like the cage exactly once. That's not my cup of tea." Things like that. So I, oh, I think okay. they actually did need to do that. We we for. We're the TOS guys, so I think we don't have the perspective sometimes that <laughs> some people don't care about TOS that much. I'm surprised there are a lot of, every time I find them, but there are a lot of them, Star Trek fans who just didn't watch the original series. Like, to them, it was already yeah. usually something they felt was dated by the time they got into yeah. Star Trek. I mean, I think yeah. for all of us, it was the only Star Trek. 
Yeah, it was. But it, yeah. believe me, it was even even when I was growing up, it, it looked dated. It absolutely. Did. You know, it's right. funny. I guess because you know, I was introduced to TOS at the age of like six. It didn't matter to me at all. Oh well, yeah, that's how old I was. Yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah. It was, doesn't matter. I was like eight or ten, and yeah, maybe ten. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I just ate it all up. I loved it. Yeah, didn't really matter to me. And the funny thing is, for me, I was getting like introduced to TOS at the same time that TNG had just started to air. So I found out that there was this more Star Trek that wasn't related to TOS and was like super happy and like explored it all simultaneously, basically. And like mm. didn't bo- didn't bother me at all. Didn't you know? It never occurred to me that like one was cheesier than the other. You know, one was very modern and one wasn't, or something like that. Never never bothered me in the slightest. I was just eating up all the Trek I could. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, enough about us. Let's, <laughs> let's move into the episode. So how let about us. them? Them badmirals consulting with section 31. Yeah. Huh? Oh, <laughs> with a very smug Vulcan female uh, admiral. The worst, was... kind of that worst stereotype of Vulcans, you know, like the worst. I know. I, I was, I, and I, even in my notes, I was like, the admirals are so bossy. I mean, I know they're admirals, so they're supposed to be bossy, but they seemed especially bossy. But I did like that um, Giorgio was finally showing herself to be a true strategist, both with what she was telling them and with what she wasn't and what she, she was planning because yeah. she had this, she, you know, she's finally not just saying sexy mean things. Like she's actually <laughs> doing something. Yeah, she is. She's actively working to uh, basically be little Leland yeah. at every turn. Yeah. Yes. Undermine him. Yep. Yes. So yeah. she's making herself look more valuable. She's undermining him. And she's yep. so I thought, you know, I thought that that was she's finally sort of stepping up and doing whatever it is they brought her there to do, which she wasn't doing for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she was feeling out her place. And when she realizes she can pretty easily get the upper hand, she's going to go for it, you know. But did anyone else think it was really weird? So when she contacts the Discovery to say, oh, to give them their yes. assignment. And then at the end, she just goes. Okay, I'm really busy, and takes a little sip. And of she her sips drink. her coffee or whatever. And I was like, yeah. "What? What was that? <laughs> what is that?" I don't know. Yeah, they, they. She she should have cut off. She should have cut off the communications like two <laughs> seconds sooner. You know what I mean? It's like, why yeah. did you need to like show on that? <laughs> I'm yeah, really I'm, I'm, busy. I'm very busy. Let me sip my coffee. See ya. Like it was a super awkward uh, moment that I felt they maybe they thought it did something, but it just was silly. No. It, yeah. Yeah. It yeah I have really, to agree. Did, didn't make sense, especially because she was trying to trying to flex some muscle and, right. and order them to stay somewhere uh-huh. you know and it's like okay um also this, this question that i saw posed is a good question that very you know kind of like wow i wonder about this is do the admirals that are consulting with them know exactly who Giorgio is because we know that in theory admirals should probably know right but what if what if only a very select group actually know that she's the mirror universe Giorgio? because because they have this pretty locked down in theory. They have the mirror universe pretty locked down, right? So it makes you wonder, like, do they know that she's not Captain Georgia? Because they, they, they address her as, like, Captain Giorgio. Um, and so that's really interesting because, like, no wonder, you know, if they don't know, no wonder why they're going to take her advice over Leland because they're, like, cool you, you know what you're doing you've worked with some of these people like we'll listen to you but if they you know so if they don't know it kind of makes more sense but if they do know sheesh a lot yeah. of people are complicit in this then like this is yeah. getting this is bad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I, I have to tell you, I the only things I mean during the course of the season, you're gonna like certain aspects of certain storylines and at sometimes more than others and stuff. Mm-hmm. I have despised the Section Thirty One stuff all the way through. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I mean, I was never a fan of Section Thirty One, so I didn't find it interesting on the, the other two shows that it was on. Um, so I wasn't yeah. mm. thrilled that it was coming to this one either it's just not to me and this is maybe just my philosophy thing but to me like the whole as a kid when I watched Star Trek and then even as adult watching the newer ones it was all about like this sort of aspirational thing like these are this is our evolution to be better people and this is what we want to be so when you say well they need these people to do these ugly things I go no no that's all the other shows on tv and all right. the other that's movies. The it's, it's and that's what makes Star anymore. Trek different to me, which is why I was yeah. disappointed when Deep Space Nine did it. Because I was like, no, there shouldn't be that. That's not what Starfleet is. And that's one of the things I really related to as a kid when I watched sure. the show. You know, was this idealistic? Mm-hmm. Sure, it's idealistic. But I loved it and I related to it. So I don't want this dark underbelly of my precious Starfleet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that, I agree that, with that. That's part of it to me, and I just, I just hate the way they're staging it. It feels very like melodramatic and kind of ham-fisted, and it's just, I don't know. There's something off about the the, the the tempo of it. I think they're trying to give it this theatricality that's not really landing. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. It, it, yeah, it's not really my. Nothing about it is landing for me at all. There are a number of people who feel that way. I'm sort of, I don't know in between the two i'm trying to remember to be open-minded about it but i don't like that they're out in the open quite frankly i don't like that part at all it's like weird for us yeah. yeah it's weird for yeah. a, a, a top secret organization to be that far out <laughs> in public they're so not a top secret organization <laughs> no no not at this point no so i so. have a theory about what where they might go with it and i'm gonna save it and see how things evolve but if okay. if they're really planning it out like what's how it's going to evolve georgiou's moves georgio's moves all seem to lead towards that so yes i'm, I'm it, hoping it there's a seems big like it's going somewhere. game plan for that that will reconcile everything but again it's not to me the most interesting even close to the most interesting aspect of star trek no, or of this whole story and there's so many great stories that they're telling and so many great characters that they have yeah i agree mm-hmm. definitely like this whole episode it, there are two storylines that are fantastic in this episode and it's the talus stuff and it's the stuff going on with Culber. They're fantastic. Yeah. I don't need I don't need the rest of it, honestly. Like if we we're gonna you know, like we don't need section thirty one kind of messing about That's the other thing. It's like they have to service this thing that everybody's kinda of, every time they come on, I'm like oh. <laughs> We could be we could be we could be doing something better with this time, you know? Yeah. Well, on the section thirty one topic, but moving it away from section 31 and in and of itself i liked the pike and tyler conversations that they that yes. are sort of next up in the episode mm. i like that pike can of course start to smell that like you know there's something more going on with tyler and burnham because of course tyler like basically jumps to her defense like three times you know in the mm. various conversations and so he does this whole okay now it's time for you to tell me the truth because clearly something's up between you two you know like and i and like he does yeah. I, sorry, I like that Tyler was awkward every time he tried. He was trying to say it and not he violate was. her privacy, yeah. and it was awkward for him, which I liked. And I thought Shazad Latif's performance was great. Yeah, as he did all he that, was. and I just and I liked, you know, I really liked those two characters in conflict. But then when they were just talking, I liked that too. And I love that Pike poured him a drink. I thought that was great. 
Yep. Yep. He tries to just, well, you know, sometimes you tell your bartender things you won't tell your doctor, right? Mm. Right. To it quote was a, the peg, to go with cage. <laughs> yeah, a little cage, another cage throwback that they didn't have to overdo. No, it was perfect. Mm. Yeah. You just poured him a drink and was trying to, you know, figure stuff out with him. Um, I think in their second conversation, these all sort of blur together as far as their conversations, but their second conversation, and I think it is like a few, like a little bit later, you know, he, he, I think he hits this on the head. Like Pike basically asks what we're all wondering about Tyler, which is if you trust Burnham more than section 31, why are you working for them? And I thought that was like, yeah, bingo. Like what the hell is that about, dude? He should really maybe question what you're doing there. You know, like. And he, and he does have an answer that's sort of legitimate, but it's just like, oh, man, really, you should really think about this. Like, really, really. Yeah. No, and he certainly and I'm has... I'm sure he will by the end of the season. Yeah. yeah he'll end up back on discovering. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm thinking he'll defect, yeah, from the Section 31 life, yeah. He'll see where it's going and not approve or whatever. Right, and come through right. at the last minute with a big save. Who knows? Right, I imagine... that's what I'm thinking, Lori, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. But, oh, and then also, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say now he's being set up anyway. Obviously, definitely he's he's being obviously being set up because like, gee, someone's sending these massive encrypted reports, and gee, they start to figure out that it's under his like authorization codes. Mm. Like, that's a little too. I mean, like everyone kind of knows that that's too obvious and that's not it. But like, and they should honestly, they should too. They should start to smell rat and like. So, although Pike does have a point where he's like, "Oh, I just real, I just learned from from Burnham that they have mind altering tech." So, are you sure you haven't been turned into yet another sleeper agent? And he's like, "No, I swear." The funniest thing is like Tyler's like, "Oh no, I would know that," and it's like, "No, you you wouldn't know. That's the whole <laughs> point. You wouldn't know actually." Yeah, and I so. actually thought that was very magnanimous of Pike. Like Pike has been I wasn't I I always liked Anson Mount's performance but I have not liked Pike up until the last few episodes because I th- yeah I thought that he was just so affable and trying to make everybody love him and just being yeah, so yeah. super friendly then he became really passive then he became kind of pointless because everybody else was doing everything and in the last few episodes and this one in particular he's finally being a captain he's taking mm-hmm. command he's insightful he's strong he's smart he's the guy you want in charge and I'm gonna say this I think he's the best Captain Pike Anson Mount. Well, considering we've we've barely seen anything of Hunter, it's kind of hard to disagree with that. Well, I mean, from the know? movies, like I really, I just think he has taken that character and made him richer and better. And yeah, I finally sure. get, it. and I just now I'm like a hundred percent on board with Pike, which I was not. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, I like Bruce Greenwood myself. I mean, sure. I, I like. Although him. he's a very different version of Pike. He is. Know? He yeah. is. Well, yeah. Because they purposely made him a little older than he should have been, like at mm. that, you know, to make him more of a mentor and stuff mm. to yeah. Kelvin Universe Kirk. So it's different. But yeah, Most no, I, I I really like Anson Mount in this role for sure. Yeah, yeah, really he's like good. It. I agree. And he has a bit of that um, Janeway touch and Kirk touch, where he's quite personal with people, and it's based on his knowledge of them, which I really like. Yes, mm. yes, yeah. It's really especially to go rewatch the Cage before, and it's really interesting to see like that you know that jeff hunter is is so like the only way to to make sense of it now and it kind of made sense then but especially in in context now is like what we see of pike in the cage is he's so burned out and he's just so over Mm -hmm. it compared to you know today like current pike you know pike a few years later 
it's just it's just really interesting to see i do sort of wish that we would see a little more edge sometimes coming yeah. from Pike. Yeah. And I think we might start to see that more and more, like as things kind of push up against them, you know, as things like don't go their way, he might start to push more. But otherwise, loving it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I also wanted more edge. I mean, I think I asked him that at Comic Con when we were there too, or at um, did you maybe on the red carpet? Yeah. No, oh, you season, did season two premiere. I think I was like, are we going to mm-hmm. see that? that a bit of that darkness and that edge because I just, yes. you know, it's, it's, he's been through something and that's always really interesting. Yes. Uh-huh. And he said there might be, he sort of couldn't give us a straight answer, but he said that they're going to try and yeah. do something with it. So yeah, they have to give him a little something. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's shown, and it's shown up here and there, like anytime, like bring up the fact that he had to sit out the Klingon war and you can watch him get real kind of, sour and unhappy real quick okay i, I mean, never there's a, understand there's a definite that. edge to that sorry to interrupt i never understand why you'd be mad that you have to sit at a war maybe because i'm a pacifist girl but i'm like why would that traumatize you not being allowed to fight in a war <laughs> i think that would i think be only awesome. because i think only because he feels a sense of like duty and a sense of like wanting to help turn the tide like and couldn't and literally couldn't it's a sense of like helplessness right because he was told stay out on your five-year mission way the heck on the other side of the galaxy or whatever like don't come back which makes no sense really but yeah but there you go that's their that's their way to explain it and <laughs> so we just have to go with it all right <laughs> i know yeah. um on to something slightly more positive how about burnham Indeed. and spock on talos well let's talk about that beautiful beautiful landing on Talos like it was you I loved like you could see the reflection of the shuttle in the water as they were land like as she pulled in and I just thought it looked Mm -hmm. like I feel like the money they're spending on the visual effects is money well spent it looks it is they're doing a good job it looks beautiful but better than last season I have to say yeah it's yeah I agree yeah it looks beautiful it looks rich it looks real I think it's I, I, it's really lovely to watch and then I love the way they like integrated bits of theme music and little cage touches once she got there but I yes. thought it just looked really really nice yes mm-hmm. um, I also really liked t- the black hole that's yes. supposed to fake out people to keep people away I think that makes A that makes perfect sense because at this point the Telegians know the humans are trouble and don't want them there because right. of the events of the cage they're like You're, you guys are trouble like we can't use you anyway stay away and then too like that black hole is pretty cool and very much looks like a lot of the stuff that was supposedly like supposed to have been developed from real astrophysics models like that was done for interstellar like the movie yeah interstellar. it looked a lot like the black hole from so interstellar. it looked a lot like that which is cool that seems to lend some more you know realistic credence to it and uh i thought it made a lot of sense that it's a test and mostly it's to keep people away because at this point humans you know were deemed really just dangerous like not what they wanted <laughs> so yeah i agree completely i thought it was great i liked all that it was clever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh and i guess we should say that the they do get warnings about the travel being there prohibited but i noticed that nothing really stopped them from going like I was kind of hoping the computer would at least make someone override it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Burnham would have to input a command override or something to get to go there. And they're just like, well, it's prohibitive and be careful because they're like, you know, 
telekinetic and whatever species sorry and it's like well okay i know we're not necessarily gonna like address the death penalty thing because that doesn't really look good in retrospect but like (laughs) there can still be a general order seven that says like you can't go here and you're you're you know not allowed to go there without like a command override you know what i mean it shouldn't just it shouldn't just set a course willingly without some kind of override you know that's that was the one thing i was looking for yeah i agree it would have made and they could have done it quickly they could have dealt with it yeah it would have been a quick thing yeah yeah and then burnham just goes oh well here's my override and they go okay like remember it's prohibited and then she just goes on you know right yeah yeah that was my one thing that i was kind of bummed about is they didn't at least stop you you know the shuttle should have been like no <laughs> you have to input an override for this one this is this is prohibited you know like, yeah this is like really serious business yeah it's no joke to go here like, right for a reason for a reason people like you don't want to go here and in that sort of there's a reason why i like that the telosians offer to help but for a price which is you know that painful memory of spock and burnham's and you know i, I think that makes perfect sense because we know the telosians like that's what they do they sit there and relive people's like memories and then put them in new sort of illusions and like they're they're big you know they're big voyeurs really and so it makes perfect sense that like their fucked up form of payment is like they want something really you know crazy or shitty from your life as payment i thought that made sense to me i, I don't know although geez she has so many things to choose from in her past oh yeah apparently <laughs> so i know they, right they could have chosen a lot of different things I, honestly the one the one where she's supposed to have been that memory she says of like peeking out from a cabinet oh while my the klingons trashed her family home and potentially mm. like you know did things to her parents like dead corpses or whatever that would have been a hell of a thing but anyway we need to see spock so that's okay right <laughs> so so it's poor spock they find out they sort of diagnose him is seeing time as fluid rather than linear, which does sound like something that would kind of get make you batty, I have to say, if you couldn't keep it, things pieced together. Uh. Yeah, I agree. Apparently, though, that they don't really ever explain how they fix him, they, but somehow sort of sorting through it and showing Burnham these things lets him kind of pull himself back together. Uh. So. I, I also think what they when they showed her his vision... Mm-hmm. I thought that looked, again, fantastic and scary and big in scale yeah. and ominous and absolutely everything that it was supposed to be. And then when she comes out of it and he's finally himself again, I thought that was his first line. It was something it was just strong and his voice is so deep and he's suddenly there. Yep. And I thought it was very powerful. Yeah. I think he says, now you see. Yeah. And she's mm. like, yeah, no, that was really great. And um, so, of course that they were uh one of the things they made sure to do was was show like some core worlds of the federation being destroyed not just earth but there was andoria and there was teller too Mm. so they were showing like core species being wiped out so that's a huge deal (laughs) whatever's going on there yeah and and then of course when everyone sort of recovered more they go in for a second kind of uh you know swim in the memory pool there and we see what really happened in the psycho psychiatry facility and of course like of course buck didn't kill anyone like that doesn't make any sense at all that's not with consistent with anything we know about spock right of course not 
And so, of course, he didn't. And, of course, it was a Section 31, like, frame-up. Great. So, I think, Laura, you're the first, you were the person who pointed this out because I hadn't really thought about it. But that means Section 31, we're pretty sure that just means they murdered three people to make this look real. Like, to make it work. Right. Because otherwise, if, <laughs> I mean, because when he said there was no murder, what you know, you saw no murder. But, obviously, they were murdered because you can't pretend that yeah. so section 31 must have murdered them to set him up which was yeah i hope yep. a... very disturbing yes yeah. absolutely so and of course then spock gets to touch the red angel as we learn he sort of reaches out and does right. a almost sort of a v'ger like mind meld because of course you can't actually get to the red angel as we learn there's a there's a field between them but he's allowed to at least get some kind of visions you know sense of the red angel and I thought it was interesting that he said that from this mind meld, he was like pretty darn sure it was a human, given the way that they felt, like the kind of emotions he got from it. Right. I can't remember the description, but it was. I thought it was really good. Like the description of it was really well written and kind of, you know, I, I buy it that he thinks it's a human. That it makes oh, sure. Sense. Yeah. I mean, I think we all knew that even before he I said I mean, re- really, I think we could all guess that. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I like that now that everybody's sort of coherent and together, he and Burnham have a really great, although it's not happy, they have a really great like di- sibling dynamic between them of really unhappy, like estranged siblings, basically. But they throw barbs at each other, you yeah. know, and it's really, yeah. Yeah. and it's so good. Like he, Ethan Peck is like, he's, he's doing it for me. Like this is working now that he's, we actually get to see him act. I, I pretty I, so far I buy him a Spock. I have to say, I think this is working. They cast really well. Like I really think I was not happy that Spock was going to be on the show. Yes, um, yes. But I actually think he's. I love his. He has that great deep resonant voice. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I think he's just got the right. He's he's stoic and he has it. Like he, he he's got authority. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I agree. He does. I agree totally. So I, I love that, and I like that we're really seeing. Spock, Spock sort of pulled together and a little bit unguarded in a way, like because of Burnham, like not Spock wouldn't exchange barbs with just anyone because Spock wouldn't think most people are, it's worth his effort with most people. You know what I mean? Right. So that's interesting. Well, he intensely dislikes her. It's very obvious. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, he's very unhappy with her. Um, So we eventually get the real, the real scoop about what down between the two of them as kids. Oh, Sorry. and grown yeah well it's i think the one problem with all of this is they built it up so much nothing yes, was gonna that's work. it that's it matt that's exactly right because it in and of itself what happens is very damaging and you can see as a kid you would take this really hard mm-hmm. like if if you ignore the fact that they built it up and just like you know put yourself in in like little spock's place like i can totally see how this would be a serious thing that seriously affected me. But like we've said, it's really hard to get around the fact that they built it up so hard. Almost nothing could live up to it. Well, and also as an, even when you have those things in your past and as an adult, when you, when he can look back as a rational adult and realize exactly why she did it and how she actually did it out of love to save him. And it's yes. super obvious. You would think that he still might regret that time that he believed it as a child, but as an adult would be like, wow, she did it for the most self-sacrificing yeah. reason. And it's interesting yeah. is because he even comes to see that 
right? Like, he even says that here, that he sees what she did. And even kind of credits her because that made him pivot towards logic, you know, like 100% at the time. And, but still, right? Yeah, not much, not much more than that it was it was like a little like a fizzling out after all this build-up it just wasn't enough it wasn't enough for me at all well i I don't think it but i think the problem is there's nothing that could be enough you know Uh, what i mean but even without the build-up i think it wouldn't have been enough it just wouldn't have been enough again like i said as soon as you have that adult perspective you would view it differently well Mm. i do i think the one thing they did that was that was smart was she used half breed because that comes up again in tos and you know it's it, not pleasant. It for comes him. up twice, and it's mm-hmm. it's a like when it comes up in um, what are little girls made of. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that yeah, that, it is. that actually alerts him to the fact that there's a fake. That's Kirk. right, because Kirk fills his mind with that idea when he's being cloned into an android. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's and again. Then Scotty so, calls him a freak. Oh. Well, he's been Day called freak. Dove. Yeah, he's no, been he called calls freak. Him a half-breed. He calls him a half-breed in Day of the Dove, doesn't he? I don't remember. Oh, actually. yeah, we'll that's a good question. I mean, I, I know does. Kirk does it again in this side of paradise. Right to right to snap him out of the spore influence. Hmm. Oh well, we should have looked that up. Apparently, well, we have failed. Anyway, it's okay. <laughs> anyway, so the half breed thing like has a resonance with Spock, sort of in his life as it turns. Oh. So I I see why they did it. Brian, you you're know. right. I found it. He calls him a cool. green blooded half breed. Scotty, yep, Day of the Dove. Oh, Scotty, you're better than that. <laughs> well, he was, you know, <laughs> being a he was under he was, the influence. Yeah. He was under the influence, exactly. Yeah. It's it's not really Scotty, I know. So, after this, you know, bringing forth, of course, the Telosians basically get to eat this up on a spoon. You know, they like that's their little payment. They get to enjoy this crazy memory, and of course, um, I I actually really liked. Uh, that they used Vina sort of as like their spokesperson. I think that made a lot of sense because it's almost the role she filled in the cage anyway. And so they just sort of made it more official that they're mostly in the background, like doing things, but that's not who's actually their liaison to them. It's mostly Vina when you look at it. And hmm. she, makes sense to me. And she did a good job as Vina. I thought that. Yeah, I, thought, I liked her a lot. I thought yeah, Melissa yeah, yeah, George yeah, was saying. good. The only thing, mm-hmm. and this is maybe just something my particular thing that always bothers me, but she was wearing spiked heels. I know. Which I just find that annoying. Was their yeah, that was like random. if you could choose yeah. your way to, that you were going to look and it was an illusion, I just don't know why you would pick really yeah, uncomfortable Yeah, no one would shoes. want heels. Yeah, right? it just, yeah. it didn't make sense that, to me. That that was their one like concession to the skimpy little metallic dress number that Susan Oliver was wearing. Because she has little heels like in, in the cage as well. So yeah, just I didn't. But uh, I think but that I, was their one it was, concession. That was the only thing that bothered me. But otherwise, I thought she did great, and I thought and oh, and then there was the yeah. the other thing was the moment where she's like, "Spock, don't you recognize me?" And I kept yeah, trying to remember a scene where the too. two of them were together, and I couldn't they, remember. They no, she, they, they were met. not. They, they never met. Well, I mean, they met, but briefly, basically. Um, so yeah, no, I th- we have to sort of assume that there's some familiarity either from like. The Telosians probing him, you know, from before, like just generally, and they imbued her with this idea that she's known him or something. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to assume that it's from somehow. That's very generous. Yeah, she's generous a little too friendly. You. That's generous. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, that's the or only you could just way. say, Matt, that the script called for 
for them to do that, <laughs> and that's what they did. Yeah, and honestly, like she could have. It, there's nothing wrong with her knowing who he is, but yeah, the the level of familiar familiarity it seemed to be was a little too much. Yep, agreed. Because she knows who he is. She met him briefly as part of that landing party in the cage, you know. But yeah, very briefly. Briefly, yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, yeah. So she seems a little too familiar with him, but I at least it's sort of forgivable because she almost immediately then asks if Chris is with them. You know, she kind of moves yep. on. Like, they pivot. So. Yep, I liked all that, and she, yeah. So I liked all that, yeah. And I was thinking about some people are like, "Oh, she doesn't look enough like Susan Oliver and all that stuff." Personally, personally, yeah, I thought it was fine too. And personally, that's a really hard thing to recast. I think they were smart to get someone who is the sort of generally the right, you know, the right look, mm-hmm. the right sort of thing, and, but not to try and find someone who looks exactly like Susan Oliver, which is a very but so. I, this is a very hard thing to do because Susan Oliver. Not only is it just her look kind of unique, but like she herself was always like a very unique actress, right? Like she always had an interesting presence that was yeah. different. Her energy hard- was a little different, yeah. Right, and very hard to put your finger on. And so, you know what? You just can't cast someone who's exactly like that. You just can't. She's you know? also, I have to say, I've just been learning a lot about her lately, and she was a pilot, and she wrote yeah, this book she's- about flying across the atlantic like she's very and i'm reading yeah, her book right she's now a, she's fascinating there's a documentary Dynamic. there's a documentary out about her too yes yeah. i saw that i mean i haven't seen it but i saw it's out there so she i think as an actress brought a lot to that there was always a lot going on with her if you yeah. look at her in that episode she really played yeah, it with a lot of depth dynamic. but i thought melissa george did great and i agree with you there's no reason she, she has to look just like her there's no reason there. no no i thought it was no, fine. no yeah and i thought one thing that they did that actually worked really well was melissa george's hairstyle is very similar to the hairstyle of vena when she's pike's wife yeah and that and I thought that was like really smart because it's like, look, if Fina's going to appear to Pike, why wouldn't she appear, you know, basically like this, this, this perfect, this perfect idea that he had of a wife from three years ago or so. And so I thought that was really smart because they basically gave her, give or take the same basic hairdo, you know? Yeah. That was good. So yeah, I liked everything about her performance there. And We'll come back to her performance because, of course, eventually these two storylines like of things merge. Vina eventually appears to Pike. But if we're kind of going linearly through the episode, though, we get to go through Hell with Hugh first, which is another fantastic part of the episode, I thought. Especially acting. My God, the acting in this movie. Oh I, I really enjoyed, yeah, I really enjoyed Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp in this episode. They, they did so well they, in this. They made me cry. I mean, I definitely cried just looking at Anthony Rapp's face when he's yes. so mm. wounded and he's so hurt. And it's supposed to be all I'm about what confused. it's all about what Culver's going through. It's but oh my that. god, it's yeah. all about what Stamets is going through. And so yeah, I, because of course he's he wants so badly to just like get his life back together with his partner. You and know? he thought it was like he had. He thought it could. He'd yeah. he lost everything. He was miserable. He'd given up. Then he has this yep. hope, he gets him back, and then he gets crushed again. And I thought he yep. conveyed that so well. Like, he just looked so wounded. And then so well. Wilson Cruz is doing such a... He finally gets to do something really great, and he's he shines, so, yeah. and he's so edgy mm-hmm. and dark. And then these moments where he suddenly looked very small and vulnerable and reminded me of, of his character, Ricky, in My So-Called Life. Mm-hmm. My So-Called Life. Yay. Because suddenly he just was, was like a small, scared guy. And then he'd come out and be all belligerent again. And he's playing it so well. He is. Yeah. Very and much I mean, so. like, 
this is this is like one this is like a hell of a thing that no one so far is even can even speak to right spock hasn't been resurrected yet so he can't help him yet but like this is he's a, a very unique situation that he's dead he's been dead and come back basically and how the hell does that work like no one is prepared for this you know i, I mean it's really like how do you even guide someone through this situation well interestingly the person who's going through the closest experience to his is the person he picks a fight with so yes for exactly that that reason and even though i didn't i have a lot of issues first of all i don't i find punching i'm not that interested so i just wait for it to be over except that the way (laughs) they and the whole we'll talk in a minute about saru's reaction to that fight Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the whole Mm -hmm. the way he came after him i thought was great and the way they ended it where they have this moment where they're face to face and realizing that they're actually going through the same thing yep yep Mm. and it's pointless to continue just trying to hit each other they're the only two people who might understand each other on the whole ship yeah Mm. yeah which is like talk about irony right like he, the guy who killed you is also the only one who might understand this. Right. Like, it's amazing, really, if you think about it. See, that's actually good kind of twists and, like, structured for that. Like, that's the kind of writing we want to see. Not just random twists for twists' sake, but, like, look, this is a really great payoff to these twists that happen. Yes, I agree, Matt. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, Matt, I think you're the one who keeps bringing this up, but you're 100% right. Like, why on earth are Tyler's quarters so close <laughs> to where oh, yeah. they live? That was, what yeah, is when we that? were watching this, my first note was like, whatever little like quartermaster, whatever that <laughs> fucking did that, pardon my F bomb, but it deserves one. It should get, be like, no, you're off that duty, you dummy. Like, why would you ever assign him quarters next to Stamets' quarters? Yeah, like, anywhere. Why would you do that? Anywhere nearby. Anywhere near that. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you do that? So, of course, like, and they have to run into each other in the hallway, and like, my goodness, yeah, not okay. Also, if this, if there was ever a ship that needed a counselor, yeah, this one. Does. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and I, and I mean, like, the entire crew needs yeah. one from like their experiences with like, you know, Lorca, and like, and then these guys, they s- severely need help. Both of them really need help badly to just just to figure out what who they are and what they're doing next. You know, like where they are in their lives like it's they badly need help yeah so it's but we also know from our history like tng was the first time we saw a counselor on a ship right i know that's right that's a 24th century invention right Right. they don't have that mccoy functioned as like the the psychiatrist on the enterprise right he did yeah and again we don't really have anyone really stepping up to do that here which is too bad because the cmo we've never seen (laughs) right that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, um, but yeah, I I love that at the, in the very end they just sort of look at each other. and Colbert realizes like this isn't really me, but I don't even know who I am anymore. And then Tyler just goes, "Well, who do you think you're talking to?" Yeah, I it's just a love great that. great way to wrap it up. Like I love those two lines. They were so good. Yeah, like of course they're both. Yeah, they're both almost just sort of dumbfounded that this even happened. They don't even know. You know, it's like how did we even get here? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> the, I mean, it the was really well. quietly ends. Yeah, because yeah. they realize that's dumb. That's pointless. Like that's not what they're mad about or whatever. And it's great. And of course, as we said, as Lori, you said, Saru allows all this, which actually I don't. I don't hate that he allows it at all. It kind of needed to happen. Yeah, it did. 
It definitely did. Um, but of course, he should have been called out for it, which is correct that Pike did. I, mm. you know? So when Pike called him out for it, I thought that does make sense. And it is, it's the first sign I've seen of our new Saru, our Quill mm-hmm. Saru yeah. versus our Ganglion yes. Saru. So, so <laughs> yes. when they had that conversation, I thought, you know what? That makes great sense. But I still thought all those other people, I know Saru is the highest ranking officer, but like Stamets was just standing there. It just, yeah. I just thought somebody would have jumped in or tried to do something or stopped it. It just, it yes. didn't. It, it seemed like it. Yeah, yeah. It seemed weird, but it did make sense for Saru later. And that conversation was the right conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I like the Pike. It's just like, I don't think the former you would have done that. And so he was like, Nope, probably not. You know? And, and of course there's nothing in the manual about how to deal well, that with was a, that line, yeah. because this is, I actually wrote down exactly what he said. And I know everybody's been quoting it cause it's so good, but we're going to do it again. Because he says, the Starfleet manual offers no regulatory guidelines for interactions between humans with Klingons grafted to their bones and a ship's doctor return. And then he says, he says it like this. And a ship's doctor returned from the dead. (laughs) Like he says it. He's so sassy. Super wacky way. (laughs) And I loved it. And I was like, exactly. And that's what makes the whole thing fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Yay, Doug Jones getting in a nice performance. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot to do. It was great. Yeah. And it made me laugh, which is always good. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely kind of almost like a chuckle of like, Saru's like, look, you're going to call me out for this, but come on. This is a, this is an absurd situation. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, after all this kind of mini catharsis there, our two storylines kind of merge, right? Because now Burnham and Spock are sort of pulled together and they kind of know what's going on. and, And now Pike needs to know what's going on. And of course, Vina appears to him. And I thought this was really great. Because, of course, he, he's just, like, his jaw drops, basically. That she here's scares Vina. the crap out of him. Yeah, yeah, she, <laughs> yeah she scares him. And she even says, like, I'm not used to you being scared, which is another nice little hint that she's been hanging out with his, like, illusion, his little illusionary double for a while. So she's not used to this. That, like, there's a real pike that might be scared of her. Um, but I really like that. and it's And it's nice to see that they sort of, they go somewhere with this like directly like Vina and Pike actually interact a little and there's something to it because again we know where this ends up Anson Mount actually has said this a few times that he's like well we've seen the first act in the third act of Pike's you know kind of career so I'm filling in the second act and I think this is this is really great like this is really lovely like sort of connectivity because we know in the end he does come to join her right like the real Pike really does come to join her crippled you know, 10 years later. And at this point, he's not even sure if he'll ever see her again, you know, but there's this, there's this connection and there's these sort of lingering feelings that he has for her, that he, he says that to her, you know, that there's these lingering feelings. And I really liked that. I thought that was really, really great. I agree. And they, they sometimes have a tendency to get very heavy handed with those things and they didn't. I liked it. It Yes, that's right. Very. was well done. Light light touch which is appropriate yes well done i I mean overall i think the writing across the board was really really good except for the sipping and the i'm very busy line everything else (laughs) yeah that's still awkward that one was awkward but i thought everything else was great and the interactions were great the (laughs) actual dialogue was very strong and meaningful yes absolutely yeah yeah and i and i really liked that they kind of went back to remember back in 203 which we didn't love as much but the one thing that they really did that was nice was when burnham and tyler talked on chronos and then on 
Discovery, they basically like split the screen with them and had them almost like they were in the same room. They basically used that again, but this time it actually was more true because like they were because the Telosians were basically projecting an illusion Providing of talking the to illusion, each other. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that in this case, it really was sort of happening, and I thought that was really great that Pike just starts talking to Burnham and Spock as if they're in the same room with them because, well, for all intents and purposes, you know they are. They're projected there. And, you know, tell them that they need to come get them because stuff's going on and, like, they need to come for them. And we get this, uh, we get one of our key words, of course, for the season that Pike, or Spock tells Pike that he never thought he'd say this word, but that you need to take him on faith that he needs to come get him so they can follow the Red Angel's design. Did you get it? Faith? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hint, hint. But But that's okay. It also reestablished that we know that that he has a relationship with Spock that's a strong relationship. So yes, separate from the whole exactly. faith shout out, the weekly faith shout out. Um, it's, <laughs> it's nice to see that that, you know, we know that that relationship means something and we know that later it's going to yeah, mean a lot. Because Pike doesn't hesitate to to go, you know. When he, so. And now things start to come together because of, okay, so that what's the, that smart, the smart way to get there would be to spore jump, right? Because then no one could track them. They would just appear right. above Talos and gee, it's sabotaged. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I did. And that's okay. But I, you know, I think that was kind of an obvious thing to have happen. But, um, and conveniently, of course, they think it's Tyler and yada, yada. I don't. But we all know who it is, and I'm glad that they're not yeah, trying we all know to. Who it is. They're not trying to trick us. They're telling us no. who exactly. I mean, look, the, the freaky red dots in her eyes. Come on, she's <laughs> compromised. I think we all know it's Arian. Yep. And like, the intense close-ups. Hello, but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the intense close-ups. Yeah, yeah. But it's With good. The blinking eyes. So they can find Tyler quarters because apparently it's not Arian, but whatever, and um, have to use you know regular old warp drive to get there. Which, of course, means that the Section 31 ship can follow, you know, follow them close behind and try and stop them. So, there you go. They're right behind them. I thought this this is an interesting thing that, as far as I know, like, has never happened before, which is the two different ships have a transporter lock on you thing. I've never, I don't think that's ever come up before. Yeah, dueling it's transporters. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Mm. And so, of course... Two people can't have a lock on your atomic structure. You'll, that's not gonna work. So somebody has to give it up. And um, I'm not entirely surprised by this, but I thought it was still really nice when Vina basically says, "Look, just let go. Like, give it up. Don't worry. Let your friends go." And that's pretty obvious. Like, what's going on? As soon as Vina shows up and says that, like, that's pretty obvious what's going on. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it was still fun. And the other really fun part is that when they release their transporter lock and they end up on the Section 31 ship, not only does the normal like disco transporter sound get mixed into it, but they also mix in a another another nice callback. They mix in a little bit of the really old school cage transporter sound effect. And I can only assume that was supposed to be a cue to us that like this is all fake. Because nobody's their transporters don't sound like that normally, you know, mm. in this in this version. So and of course, what we get is a fake. We they do they get a fake Spock and Burnham, and they get to say goodbye, Spock. You know, funny little moment. And Giorgio once again gets to basically humiliate Leland and go, "Yeah, I just didn't tell you how powerful they are." 
Sorry. <laughs> right, because she's dealt with uh, them before. She's wiped them out. Or so she thinks, by the way. That's the one thing that I think Leland could have come back with and they totally should have written in. Is he could have been like, that's that's what they led you to believe. You know, he could have been like, oh, or so you thought. Right. Because, you know? mm. come right. on. They could, you know. Tr- yeah. Like, they can who make- knows? Yep. Yep. 100%. So, but whatever. She's, she's humiliating Leland again. And so our real heroes show up a few seconds later once the Section 31 ship thinks they've won and warps off like jerks. <laughs> um, our heroes really show back up in the shuttle and we get a really nice moment between Pike and Spock and I like that Pike kind of ribs Spock for like mm. the tiniest, tiniest hint of a smile, you know? Mm. It's not a full-on smile, people. Don't worry. It's no, It's not a big deal. I don't think at all. Yeah. But... Uh, that was fine and then uh, of course they get the whole we get to go rogue with the discovery crew you know backs pike and going rogue so and i like the way they did that because they started to go for your classic big speech that we always Mm -hmm. hear and then they Mm -hmm. and then detmer's just like let's you know let's just go (laughs) yep just tell us what course yep yeah and i like that spock gets a little line about like well my limited experience as a fugitive i think the um, you know the appropriate thing to do is to run yeah and that also reminded me just a smidge of um you know some of those lines that have also been been uh the same kind of lines that they put in similar you know people's mouths kind of like them they would put in data's mouth about to hell with our orders and things like that mm. it's that it's that kind of line that goes to a you know goes to a spock or a data or or whoever like that so it's kind of a classic, like, line to have. And there you go. Like, that's it. Disco is uh, is now going to get hunted by Section 31 officially. Right. Mm. I wonder if they're going to survive. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I hope so. Dun, dun. We've got another season to make, at least. We know that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So what other thoughts did you guys have? Did you guys like anything else we haven't sort of talked about in the course of just discussing the episode? Did you have other, I have a couple, I got a few other thoughts, but I have a couple of things like I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love Tilly. So she only mm-hmm. had a small moment, but it was a good one. <laughs> when it she was. slides, she pops out the side and says, come into my office, mm. which I liked. And then I liked yes. the way, you know, the directing for me was very mixed and there were things I loved and things I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really mm-hmm. liked the way they did that scene with Tilly and Tyler looking at the screen and she's explaining things. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of an intimate, nice moment with them, which I liked, even though they're mm-hmm. on the bridge and this big bridge. Um, and so I liked that very much. But what I what has bothered me about the directing was... Everything, mm-hmm. all the spaces suddenly looked huge. Huge. And vast yeah. and empty. That's his not that's just, the director's style. Not just huge, but empty. And I just thought like if you yeah. Yeah. lenses. Right. It doesn't make sense that those rooms would yeah. be so big and so, empty. It's very impractical. No. And and if and if um if you go back and look, this was directed by TJ Scott, who also directed uh season one's The Wolf Inside. Right. Yeah. Right. And he, he sets up shots very similarly in that episode as well. I guess he likes that style. Um, just the big, you know, the pulled back, you know, lenses that do this long, you know, look. Um, but I also thought it was interesting that they seem to have picked him again. Um, I'm I'm assuming very purposefully because the wolf inside was also shot at the quarry when they used it for Harlack. Right. And so the quarry was, of course, used again for Talos. 
and also that's also the episode there's a lot of parallels here like i'm assuming they they tried to schedule him for this purposefully that's also the episode where tyler now voke woken up snack snaps the neck of culver so there's a lot of parallels here Uh like so i i think they were hoping to get the same director even because like this is a sort of parallel you know where it goes so i don't know but i thought that was just interesting that they had the same director for sort of similarities similar episodes at similar points in time in the season so Mm. that was kind of cool yeah i agree and again there were there were things that i loved the way they looked but i really just yeah it was distracting and again for me it's all about i don't want the the directing or the camera work to take me out of the story and when i'm thinking why is that room so huge and why is there nothing inside it like like if tilly and burnham still have to share tiny little quarters then why does everybody (laughs) else why does you know have half a room with literally no furniture and nothing else in it yeah yeah even the shuttle i mean the shuttle was big even when you saw it from the outside it looked pretty big but it just looked so long from the inside yeah the the way they shot that it looked incredibly long yeah it's not that long yeah and it's not that big it's just the way it looks yeah and it's just that it takes you out of the story i mean that's the problem is i don't want to be thinking wow how wildly impractical that room is while i'm watching i don't want to forget the story because i'm noticing something that seems silly and out of place yeah and i'm not looking for it yeah that room isn't even all that big really like if if we saw the set it's big but not that big it's 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 the way they chose to shoot it you know it's crazy yeah like i don't know why they anyway but that's the style because there are similar shots just like that in the wolf inside if you go back and look and so okay that's the style whatever like that they wanted i guess um do we have any thoughts about um the telosians themselves yeah did you like their re restyling yes and no yeah i found it to be a little mixed as well i thought they were kind of i don't even know what the word would be i didn't like that they like they're in the original show they were very odd looking and part of the reason they were very odd looking is because it was women mm-hmm. dressed as men sounding like men and it automatically made everything feel a little off kilter yep and I, meg wiley had this unusual looking face to begin with yes she did and like that that sold it mm-hmm. all by itself and these yeah. the guys that they got to play the telosians in this look well more... two, two women and one man but the, but the lead person mm-hmm. is a man it's very yes. clearly a man it's, yes clearly a man and i don't know it just it like it, maybe it i'm seeing it through 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 my childhood but like it it didn't feel quite as mysterious yeah yeah no i agree i agree it's almost as if you would have thought it was switched that the ones that we saw now were the oh we didn't have such good effects back then kind of telosions and that the older ones <laughs> yeah. who had the, the the pulsing veins were so intense when <laughs> the first time you saw it they were yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. so it's almost like yeah they're more subtle here yeah yeah, yeah and it, it was not the time to go subtle i would have tried to make no. them look as much as as the other ones as they could yeah yeah, yeah and like i thought they talked too much like yeah, a little actually, bit yeah. yeah i felt like it would have been better to kind of continue to emphasize the fact that they mostly communicate telepathically i mean i could see speaking a little bit but like well you know you want to sell the mysterious qualities of these characters i mean burnham just straight up straight up just says like do you have to communicate via telepathy and they go well i guess not (laughs) you know like um 
yeah, I, I thought that was like they were not bad by any means. Like, no, 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 no. Like, like know. you say, I think actually, like, like I don't even mind most of the redesign. It's like you said, the one thing that bothers me is like the yeah, the lead actors are like really robust and like they're not supposed to be. I, I I'm not even worried about the gender so much because in theory they were supposed to be men, but like you can find slight, smaller, slight dudes more fragile yes mm-hmm. yeah that's right. another thing the original telosians look were looked at they and they looked were supposed fragile. to be that's yeah. what we learned about them is that they stopped doing physical things right. they like lost their skills to do a lot of physical tasks which is why they wanted a slave race right i mean right. Like, you know so i thought that was kind of too bad um the one way you can retcon this like in your you know sort of head canon is that they had learned they now that they had interacted with humans before this is them putting on a sort of bigger show when they see humans again they are projecting a more robust like you know version of themselves Mm -hmm. to go up against you know humans like the the interface with humans that's the only thing that you can kind of do to sort of hand wave that away where they're slowly building their strength back up (laughs) i guess so (laughs) They're the doing, yeah. yeah, they're hitting that gym. Yeah. They have an illusion gym. <laughs> the best if it's an illusionary galaxy. gym, does it work? I wonder. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Questions. These are deep thoughts now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the only other thing that I would like to nitpick, and this kind of funny turn of phrase, is that they did not have a crack anymore. And I'm <laughs> sad about that. Yeah. 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 I am sad. What What was wrong with having a little crack? Come on. It's, yeah, no, There's we all want the butthead that. aliens back. So yeah, eh. yep. That's the only thing I would really like be kind of sad about with the makeup is like, come on, really? Yeah, couldn't give us a crack. All right, it's a tribute. And I actually, there's one other thing I want to say about the directing that is positive, mm-hmm. which is that I did, and it was also in the writing, which is that they, even though again they packed the episode full of stuff, like so many of the episodes have been packed full. I felt like each mm-hmm. scene did breathe. There was a little space in every yes. scene. Yeah, it wasn't as frenetic. Yeah, and they really, so that you really experienced those character moments and the emotion of certain moments because, you know, there were little quiet, quiet little scenes as well. And I just, I thought that was yes. an, a, a new thing for them that they didn't always See, give us and, that. Yeah, I agree. Like, this is, this is what we've been asking for, honestly. Like, this is the kind of pacing. Like, yeah, you can go kind of at a fast pace, like, for modern TV, but like, this is what we're talking about when we talk about like getting exhausted by the pace. This is a good example of how to do it, right? Like this episode is a good example of how yeah. to handle it. And the, and the mm. last one too, I think, were both pretty good examples of how you would write these things a little with a little more like care and a little, you know, just a little pausing. Can we pause and breathe we, about things? We might be. This might be the influence of James Duff. I'm I'm imagining so because you'll note that the last two episodes are where things started to feel different and that's the end of the Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg era. So we'll see where this go where this continues to go. Mm. But yeah. Yep. It's, it's interesting to note that that's Yeah, it's a noticeable change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is. Um a couple other fun little things. So Starbase eleven was of course name dropped and that's that's the Starbase that will will of course have a uh, some pretty significant Events happen to it in the about ten years. Kirk is court-martialed there, among mm-hmm. other things, and then of course, most importantly, to Pike's life. Poor Pike ends up there, crippled in their medical ward. Yep. And 
that's where Spock steals the Enterprise and takes Pike back to Talos in about 10 yep. years. Yep. So I, I will say, I think I have a problem with how close they say it is to Talos star system. They say it's only two light years away. No way is that right. Like, no, if they were hopping if, a skip. Yeah. And um, hi, we all know the Talosians can reach out pretty damn far if they want to and mess with people. That seems way too close to be a good idea. So I wish they'd made that like 20 and then it would have felt okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Because it took the Enterprise a while to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They had a whole trial going on while they were trying. Yeah. To they had. They had yeah. like. They probably. I think they probably had a couple. At least a few days. That's the way there. it made it seem. I mean, yeah. they they talk about it being on sort of the far side of of known things back in mm-hmm. the cage. We can't take that perfectly because the way they make it sound like it's the other side of the galaxy, which isn't quite right you know in larger trek context but still they make it sound like it's pretty far on the other side of maybe you know one of the known quadrants that we hang out in like alpha or something so yeah seems pretty far so it seems like having starbase 11 a whopping two light years away is way (laughs) too close for multiple reasons but that's a minor nitpick all right whatever I like the episode so much. I'll, I'll overlook it. Did you? All right. Did you like the little uh, flying robots that came to clean up the mess hall? Yeah, that was cute, and it <laughs> seems to fit with what we've seen this season, especially of that they have little drone Roombas. You know, basically mm-hmm. well, like clean stuff up. Now I feel better about that short treks with Tilly when the food was flying because I'm happy to know that that got cleaned <laughs> up by somebody else. Got Some up poor, yeah. Some poor non-com didn't have to come in there, and that's his poor job. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> well, the other thing is, though, this is the first time we've seen it. So I also there's also a fun headcan idea that maybe uh, maybe our I don't think we're going to see her again, which really makes me sad. But maybe Jet Reno, you know, kind of hooked him up with those. Oh Cause yeah, she was because yeah, yeah. she was making the cool drones back in the first episode of the season. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it does seem like something she would create. Yeah, I like that. Well, maybe she'll get a shout out. Yeah, she could be like, I, I can fix that for you. Yeah. You know, like, She's definitely so. not coming back? I, don't, I kind of don't think so. We'll find out. The, o- the only reason why I don't think so is because the only scenes that the actress, like Tick Notaro, the only scenes that she's ever described when she was on talk shows, we've seen already. She oh, described okay. her role in Brother and then her role in whatever it was, 204. So really it was just a glorified walk-on. It wasn't yeah, I think so. Real. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I think so. Okay. Which is a bummer because everybody responded well to her. So yeah, if they're fun. smart, they'll have her back. I was going to say, even will. if it's not this season, she could come back next season. So there's a hundred reasons yeah. you could bring her back. Um, and oh yeah, absolutely. She should come back next season. And Sarah Midich was back this week. Yes, she was. Lieutenant Nilsson. Who got to say a few things and do some stuff. Yeah, she got lines this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for folks who don't keep all this straight, that's the original actress. We played Arium, and if people don't know, because some people still haven't quite know, because you know, under the under the amounts of plastic and prosthetics, it's hard to tell. But yeah, for whatever reason, um, the actress who plays Arium changed this season, and it's now Hannah Cheeseman, right? So it's a different actress, and so the original Arium, I think she got busy with her own career, which is perfectly valid. 
yeah, makes she, sense to me. She's a director and a, or she's a producer and a writer, maybe a director too. And mm-hmm. she's, I see her promoting mm-hmm. projects that she's really involved in and excited about. So yeah, I so assume I, she I think during 2018 she got busy. Yeah, right. And the time required for the for the makeup oh, yeah. has got to be a lot. Oh yeah. But I do like yeah. that she's named after Harry Nelson. It just makes me happy every time <laughs> I see her. Oh, that's right. That yeah. was a Ted Sullivan thing, and I'm a big Harry mm-hmm. Nelson fan. And now people are discovering Harry Nelson because of that Russian Doll show. And it's just, I'm, it uh, makes me very happy. Nice. Yep. Nice. And the only last thing I wanted to say is it looks like, so they've been, they've been implying that control is an AI. This, uh-huh. this control, you know, we've, we've talked about control before on the podcast when it was first brought up. They've been dropping hints that it's like an AI that's doing sort of all their doling out of assignments and stuff for a while. And it certainly seems like that's pretty much confirmed as of this episode. Because they like they literally call it an artificial intelligence now, and of course, Giorgio critiques that among other people who are sort of concerned about it. She's the one who's like, "Yeah, in my universe, like we don't let the AI like you know control us, like we control it, kind of thing." So this is that's kind of interesting because I don't know if they're going to actually go entirely where David Max books have gone, but his stuff takes it to a like a well in the 24th century to a different kind of a crazy place i'm i don't really I'm not a reader but i know that just because when they started dropping control we all went over to memory beta and started reading about it because we were trying to figure out where it is and in david max books in the 24th century control um decides it knows a little too much and it knows better than everyone and mm. bad things happen so i don't know how far they're going to take that or if that could be like a storyline that they'll do in the hypothetical section 31 show you know eventually or what Mm. but for now though it's interesting that they're pretty strongly implying that it's a full-on ai that's can you know doling out these assignments and telling people where to go and what to do so that's concerning it it doesn't make section 31 any more fun or interesting for me unfortunately no it makes it makes them look like schmucks honestly for, for trusting an ai you know like so there you go. And possibly Control is the one that somehow hacked um, Arium then, just to go bring it back to right, right. AI and all this stuff. We'll find out. That, that That's probably a good guess. Yeah. And speaking of Arium being hacked. Speaking of Arium, yeah. <laughs> it appears oh, that next week she's going to kind of... Uh... Go crazy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, she's yeah. apparently going to attack members mm-hmm. of the discovery i think at one point she has burned him up in the air in a choke yep 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 so discovery goes to take on section 31 kind of yes, head on that is like. that is the basic plot thread of this upcoming episode which That's... by the way will be directed by our buddy jonathan Frakes. yay, yep, the, yay the second one of the season the second time exactly yep. the second time of the season yep it is called project dataless yep so we'll talk about that next week. Yes, we will be back to do that one next week. All right. Well, it's been lovely speaking with you, and uh, we'll see you all next week. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye, everybody.